Matt, are you looking to find your next gay relationship? Well, technically, no. I'm in a very happy one. But you know what I am looking to do? What? Is I'm looking to go back in time to that movie about the robot that was shitty and dumb. I think it was like a New Zealand movie the, called Chappie. Uh-huh. I'm looking to reclaim that word somehow. Okay, well, you can do both. What? And it, I'll tell you how you do it. How? You download Chappie. Yep, Chappie is the app for you. It's got a relationship scale. So you, uh, you slide that scale to the left when you're looking for a little something serious. If you are looking for some spontaneity, just, you know, got a whim, uh-huh. slide it to the right. Download Chappie. Find your next gay relationship. Pause this podcast. Search for Chappie in the App Store. That is Chappie, C-H-A-P-P-Y, or go to the link in the podcast notes. Hey. What? I just wanted to take another look at you. <laughs> oh, and I'm doing that, a face. And then you do the, then I do the thing down the thing. Great for podcast audio listeners. Yeah. We just uh, did a beautiful reenactment. I think that was gorgeous. A seminal scene from A Star is Born. Yep. I mean, really the movie that's changing everything. What was your uh, viewing experience? I'll tell you, Matt. I, uh, I went to the 7 p.m. show. At the Cinerama Dome at the Arclight um, here in Hollywood, California. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I had gotten the ticket like two nights before, two or three nights before, very last row. And um, and then I like – and it was after having friends over, drinking a bit of wine. Um, the next day I was like, great. I got the 9 p.m. show, opening night because that's what I assumed. Like midnight on the East Coast is – Nine o'clock here. Right. That was just my understanding. It was like that's as soon as you can show the movie. So I was like, great, we got nine o'clock tickets for Friday night or for Wednesday night. So we drive over the hill. We're like, well, we get there at about five to seven. I was like, great, well, you know, we'll go to Stella Barra, we'll go to Stout, whatever. We'll mm-hmm. find some place mm-hmm. to sit down, have a nice meal, get ourselves emotionally prepared. And then I passed, and it was like, oh no, it's actually starting in like fifteen seconds. Oh, so shit. luckily we got there in time. We sprinted in. But I will tell you, it was – they held it for 15 minutes just because it was so crowded and so chaotic and everybody wanted to go and get their get their gin and tonic beforehand, uh-huh. get their luxury popcorns. Uh, the usher really milked his moment in the spotlight. Of course. Here, you know, Star is Born starring uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, Andrew Dice Clay and somebody else. I, <laughs> I forget her name. And oh, of course, everyone's like, God, I got like freaking out. And uh, yeah, I saw it, and we were in and out by uh, by 10 p.m., and it was gorgeous. What was yours? Did you cry? I got a little filled up. A little filled up? Not yeah. Too much? Yeah. Uh, it was great. Well, we did, I wanted to go so badly that night with you, but then, but my, I, Michael knew he was not going to be able to go until the weekend, so uh-huh. we waited till Saturday, which felt like a very long time. That is a very long time. We went to the IPIC and went all, all out. And oh, then, sure. And then, you know, that's just, that's one of the, Recliners, you've yeah. got a blanket on, you're having food and drinks brought to you. Just What's disgusting. Your stars born menu. Uh, I believe I had a margarita and um, some spicy tuna, uh, crispy rice thing, oh. and. Um, and some turkey sliders mm. and popcorn. I mean, I felt you disgusting. To town. And um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was. Fucking great! Yeah. It was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah, and um, I I do believe, and this isn't probably the time or place to say this, but I believe the ending is incorrect. 
How do you mean? We should say, if you have not yet seen A Star is Born, first of all, how are you listening to this podcast yeah. and you haven't seen it? Just if you intended that. to see it. Uh, I'll do a quick spoiler. But if, if if you haven't and you want to, skip ahead. Let's say 30 seconds. Oh, okay. But, well, I've got, I've got some spoilery things to talk about. Oh, okay. About well. So you're just out of time. Five actually minutes. Five minutes? Three minutes. Three minutes? Three minutes is good. <laughs> three minutes. Skip ahead three minutes starting no. now. Okay, well, here's my... Oh, shut I, up. I firmly believe, firmly believe, and I don't know how much of this is like they're sticking true, staying true to the other movies because I haven't seen the other movies, uh-huh. that he should not have died at the end. That him oh. dying at the end then like... Um, like like deifies him, or th- then he gets to sort of like loom large and be the ultimate star yeah. for the duration of her career, right? And also that like I I I resent the implication that she went from being what was perceived as like inauthentic because she was a like a pop artist, I guess. Uh-huh. It was like implied that she was churning out shitty music, and then he dies, and through her grief suddenly she's the real deal right yeah and that it was like all through him even in death he is he elevates her he elevates her right and that is so the correct ending Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion is First of all, we're we're doing we're we're doing a lot of time on his fucking hearing aids, tinnitus, yes. tini- whatever. Yeah. That where is that going? Obviously, in my mind, it's going toward at the end he's going to lose his hearing, or he's going to lose his hearing to the extent that he can no longer play music, mm-hmm. but he can still be he can still like do his recovery. He can still enjoy his life with her. He can be happy, but she can fully shine. Uh huh. And, and he, she nails it, but he can't hear. Right, but he he can still like bask in the glory or maybe he can hear a little bit enough to know that she's singing whatever uh-huh. he loses something but he's still there and he has to take second position the, you know what I'm saying I do yeah that's the correct ending I think you are not wrong yeah I would see that movie um, I um, I I love that she goes from whatever this Ryan Adams country rock moment is that he's having that she's sort of a part of mm-hmm. immediately to, you know, Sparkly Halter, you know, but, 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 how about that that. but, or whatever the fucking song is that she sings on Saturday Night Live. Like, immediately. And that song is so weird and and silly, and it yet immediately gets her best new artist. Right. You know? And then then are we, that was confusing too, so are we implying that, are are we meant to believe that her her pop music was bad? And the Grammys are therefore bad? Yes. Or... Was it like, yeah, some people in the rock community? I, I, that was all very confusing to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. And the billboard is ridiculous. Uh, it did make sense that oh, the alley billboard. The alley billboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's insane. Um, it did make sense that Jackson would be playing guitar for some new artist in like for a sure. Roy Orbison tribute because that's the kind of boring nonsense they do on the Grammys all the time. Yeah, um, that is exactly. Three minutes. Times. But of course, loved it. Loved and put it. the songs to the, the long run test today. Oh, how'd that go? It went pretty well. It went pretty well. Nice. Yeah. I, I, exper- I experienced shallow in a new way. Oh, it's Putting so some good. miles in. Uh, it was great. And it, you know, it was obviously the, you know, the, the gay event of the, of, the, of the season. Yeah, as it should be. As it should Her be. performance, in, I, I, the Oscar is hers to lose. Mm-hmm. Loved her performance. Yeah. Um, Can I say I'm good on fuck? For the time being? Just the word fuck? Just the word fuck. Was there a lot of fuck? There was so much fuck. 
I felt like my own mother watching it because it was just like with with Bradley Cooper and Sam Elliott. It was just fuck, fuck, fuck. All right, right. F, right. F, F. Here well, and I there, understand and what everywhere. they were saying, but that's probably why I didn't notice it. Oh, okay, okay. A little too gruff and gravelly for you. So much gruff and gravelly. But their so scene much. really made me cry. Yeah, there. You know what got me? And okay, sorry. Now skip ahead another thirty seconds. What got me, and it will get you too. Um, is not his death. It's the dog standing guard at the garage door oh, for the death. I, that put me over. That was – Michael was still crying about that after the credits. And I bet. When he tried to express it to me, he started crying again. Uh-huh. And that was – Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Fucked me up real good. Uh, see, I guess I'm not done with fucking. Um, <laughs> I um, – uh, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Uh, I will say uh, that if you're going to see one movie, you should see – the Hate You Give. If you're going to see two movies, you should see The Hate You Give and A Star Is Born. Oh. We went to see The Hate You Give the next day. And that's great. also fucking incredible. Really? Okay. I am sold. Well, it's the day after National Coming Out Day. That's right. Yes, it is. And we've got a, a very fitting episode. Yeah. Because today's guest has uh, a, a lot to say, and, uh, and that includes some some really great coming out material. Yeah. Yeah, uh, an incredible comedian, a uh, a public figure, yeah, of renown, um, and just one of our favorite people in the world. Someone we've been trying to get uh, for ages. Yes, writer and podcaster, and uh, as it turns out, inspirational speaker. Yeah, Rhea Butcher is here. Well, Homophilia is supported by Sony Pictures Classics, presenting The Happy Prince, a new film written, directed by, and starring Rupert Everett. The Happy Prince, of course, follows the untold story of the tragic times of Oscar Wilde, mm-hmm. uh, who, as we all know, once a renowned playwright, uh, he's now a penniless vagabond, shunned by his old acquaintances, but revered by a strange group of outlaws and urchins to whom he tells his stories. Mm-hmm. His incomparable wit, still sharp. Mm-hmm. In this version, he has abs, uh, if he's played by Rupert Everett. Uh, He reviews his failed attempt to reconcile with his long-suffering wife, his fatal love affair with Lord Alfred Douglas, and the warmth and devotion of Robbie Ross, who tried and failed to save him from himself. I'm actually very excited to hear, to to see this one. Uh, Big Rupert Everett fan, of course, dating back to My Best Friend's Wedding. Very much looking forward to an unexpected My Best Friend's Wedding sequel Mm -hmm. 20 years later. Wouldn't that be fun? Get them all back together? Yeah. I'm going to contact him about that. But yeah, in the meantime, should. I'm going to go see The Happy Prince, uh, which The Guardian calls uh, Everett's performance in this as wild, quote, magnificent. Also in it, Colin Firth, Colin Morgan, Edwin Thomas, Emily Watson. The Happy Prince, now playing in select cities, coming to a theater near you. Because I'm chappy. Are you looking oh, yeah. to find your next gay <laughs> relationship? <laughs> Download Chappie. Do you feel like you need an online space to meet like-minded guys? If so, the thing for you is Chappie. Okay, I'm going to stop that now. Chappie is the online dating app that you need to form your next gay relationship. And they make it simple. They have this sliding scale that does the work for you. So if you're looking for something a little more long-term or something a little more spontaneous, Uh Chappie allows you to set the scale based on your mood. Uh So you can match with guys looking for the same experience and avoid that awkward first chat. Nobody likes that first chat when it gets awkward. So how does it work, Dave? Well, here's how you do it. You slide the scale to the left if you're looking for something cute that could go the distance. Mm -hmm. However, if you're just feeling spontaneous and sexy, 
You want something kind of quick and easy? Hit it and quit it? Yeah. Slide it all the way to the right. Wow. Let Chappie do the work for you. So you can focus on yourself, your journey, your experience. Guys, download Chappie today and find your next gay relationship. Just pause this podcast right now. Search for Chappie in the App Store. That's Chappie, C-H-A-P-P-Y. Or go to the link in the podcast notes. Pharrell, we apologize. And we're back with Rhea Butcher. What up? I'm here alone. (laughs) You're not alone. I'm here with you. And so is everybody listening. Dave will be back. Nobody panic. Yeah. Um, so I want to know what you're watching it into, and I know oh, yeah. a big part of that is baseball, because oh, before yeah. we started recording, you were, <laughs> can you explain what you were saying? Yeah, I was talking about how this season, um, well, it's in multiple divisions, but I was specifically referring to the um, NL West uh, ending in a tie between sorry, the Colorado Rockets. That's the division, so the nat- there's the National League and the American League, Got and it. so there's two separate leagues, 15 teams each. Um, the difference between the two is that the American League uh, uses a designated hitter, otherwise referred to as a, a DH, which is a person who bats in place of the pitcher uh-huh. all the time on offense, and the National League does not do that. The pitcher actually bats. And is it a never the twain shall meet thing? Well, that's kind or? of like the point of the World Series. That's, oh, is that, that is the point of the each World thing Series. is going towards the AL versus the NL. So they meet in uh, the All-Star Game and then the World Series. And then I forget what year they decided to implement interleague play. And so that's a thing that happens all the time now where AL and NL teams play each other throughout the season. So to me, I'm, I'm like a purist when it comes to the interleague play. Uh-huh. I personally don't like it. But you do get things like you get to see the Yankees and the Dodgers play each other, which otherwise you would have to hope and pray that that would be the World Series matchup if you, if you wanted to see that. Yeah, exactly. So in some ways, it's democratizing the sport a little bit, but I'm a purist that I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't totally love interleague play. I'm not a huge fan of it. But so that's, that's the difference between the, the leagues. And you could get in the weeds of like other differences, but that's the main right. one on paper that you're like, that's what separates the two. Um, and so then... Each league has three divisions: East, Central, and West. I just learned more about baseball than I like. I uh, yeah, like no, I just I'm sure absorbed. It yeah, in yeah, a yeah. I've never have. Right. Well, um, you know why that is because like I love it, and I explain it to people in a way that is like nice and gentle and also informative. I'm yeah. not like a dick about it. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, don't, don't feel judged. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I hate. To- I love talking about it, and so any chance for me to explain it, I feel like is a great opportunity. And like somebody had to explain it to me, so why would I be like a jerk to somebody that doesn't know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and did some? Did you grow up loving sports? Or did I someone- did. I love. I grew up loving baseball specifically, yeah. and then the older I got, the more I loved other sports because. Uh, girls are pushed out of baseball and the opportunities aren't as uh, straightforward. So then I became a big basketball fan and was playing basketball. But I I loved baseball from the moment you could love things um, because it was like on in my family's house. And also, I will explain another thing. The score that is on the the screen when, mm-hmm. when you're watching a game, a baseball score is laid out. It's not just 10 to 1. It's runs, hits, errors. Right. And that is what you see at all times. And those are the first three letters of my four-letter name. So when I was a kid, I would look – I mean a ch- like a toddler, like three. Yeah. I would walk up to the screen and like see my name on That's the you. screen. And so like I literally saw myself in baseball. 
So that's like how I like fell in love with it. Yeah. Runs, hits, errors. Because that's what, you know, that's like just, that's the score layout. That's the score you need to know. My dog's farting, by the way. Oh, it's, hey, that they do that sometimes. I wouldn't want to shame her. It's it's part of the game (laughs) also. Um, So yeah. So the, yeah, each of those things kind of informs the other. You can, you can get a breakdown of the game if you look at the score that way, but it's also my name. Have you ever have you ever converted like an adult friend who was a lifelong like mm-hmm. I'm not a sports person to sports? Yes, I mean I've con- specifically baseball. I don't know that I've converted like a sports person to sports, but I've definitely converted multiple people to baseball. Like they went into it thinking this is I hate for this. Me. It's like it's boring. Like people who actively hate it. Wow, I've gotten them to be actual fans. Like they're fans of it. I've also in conversation, uh, like I was getting a tattoo from someone who's like, I don't care about sports at all. I'm like, no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And then by the end of the tattoo, they were like, man, you've like gotten me really interested in baseball right now. <laughs> I feel that. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of like what my, my podcast is. Yeah. Is like, uh, it's for people who, you know, it's just for like other people. Like, I don't want to take space from like the jockey, whatever, like. There are people that like that. There are people that that makes them feel good. Yeah. But not everybody feels good listening to that. So, like, I just love the game because I find it really interesting. I've loved it my whole life. I've fallen in and out of love of it. It kills me. And I know there's other people that are like that with the game, so I love to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I literally record it by myself in my house, just talking into a microphone, and it's like an hour. Well, I love that it's like a universal language that you can speak with yeah. people that you have nothing else in common with. Absolutely. I love that about it. I love that about it, and I also see how that is because it is sort of uh, culturally dominant in this country. It also bothers me, you know, that like, oh, that's a language that you have to know to be in like the boys club or whatever. Right. So I, I guess also that's what my podcast is trying to do is like I'm not trying to – I am trying to break into the boys club, but also I'm just trying to make a new club, you know, right, so that right. like there, we, we know the language, but like, we don't want to talk about it the way you do, you know? And like, you can go in and out of each one. And like, actually that's probably good if we can all coexist and talk to each other yeah. and maybe change it a little bit on both sides of the thing. Hey, am I talking about baseball or am I talking about something else? I don't know. Kind of sounds like all of the things, but um, yeah, I don't think we all have to fully intertwine and agree with everybody on every way of everything, but I think we can coexist. You know, yeah. the the communities, the cultures, all of this can exist. There is enough space. There is enough space. It's just that some people want to take up all of it, and they don't feel good at if, if there's anything else. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's like, I don't want to take the whole thing, then that wouldn't be fun. Right. Where's the fun in that? I want to be told something. I don't want to be the only one talking, and well, I'm realizing I'm the only one talking. Uh, you're the guest. That's what you're here to do. <laughs> I mean, it, it. I grew up with such a like. I, I had such a sort of like um, cliche, like young queer kid, tra- young gay boy specifically yeah. trajectory of just being like really afraid of it, s- rejected all things sports my whole life, and did you play them ever, or were never. you able to just be like, nope? I, I was like forced onto a soccer team yes. when I was a kid, and uh, like literally sat in the grass right. and like you yeah. know did nothing, and uh, and I th- and part and, and it was also like not being able to connect with my dad, and it was such a disappointment for him that I was that kid. Anyway, I, I say that because I'm just like thinking. I wish I could have met you <laughs> when I was yeah. eight years old, or right. something, you know what I mean that. 
because as an adult, I do, I do, I do feel like I'm, I miss it a little, you know what yeah. I mean? There is, no, I totally know what you mean. I, I actually think I would have enjoyed, I, I, I understand why I was rejecting so much of it. Yes. But it's many layers. Yeah. Many reasons. There's something about it that I, um, feel like I missed out on. And yeah. They're almost, I'm okay. I'm going to pitch something. There almost shouldn't be – now, this is a perfect world scenario because there's way too many people involved and the people in control would never be down with this. It's almost like instead of gender segregating sports, you should actually segregate sports sports based on skills yeah. and commitment level. You know, skills and then commitment after that. So, like, take us, for example. Like, if we're more on the, like, hey, you know, I just want to play this sport and I don't want people to – yell at me (laughs) like tell me you know pump me up and tell me like this is how you can do it better you know like be like you're not trying hard enough to to build my spirit but don't break my spirit you know what i mean and then there's people that are like i love that because i'm really good and you need to push me really hard and instead of gender segregating sports if we had like the people that are really good at the sports and then the people that aren't as good but want that community yeah like what about that that to me sounds like a much better Because I talk a lot about how it drives me absolutely up a wall when people complain about participation trophies. Like, I hate that. I hate people complaining about it. Because, number one, we're not talking about even teenagers. We're not talking about adults. We're talking about children. Right. And so, like, the kids that are naturally good at those sports or talented and gifted with those sports, they know that they're good. And you also be rewarded for it a hundred percent. They already are. Yeah. People going, wow, wow, Sandra, wow, Johnny. What? Like they already know. And so, like, to then be like, f you to the kids that are not good at it, but doing it because they're trying to learn how to be on a team, uh-huh. which is something that kids need to learn how to do because they're kids and they're learning everything. To then be like, you suck, because that's basically what you're saying when you, you when you say participation participation trophies suck. Yeah. You're telling them they suck. There's nothing wrong with being like, great job coming to this and putting on a uniform and being a part of a team. Great job. I was yeah. happy you were here. What is wrong with that? And I Literally th- I think nothing. That when people talk shit about participation trophy culture or whatever that is, that it's it's this like fear that we're that, like kids won't have a thick enough skin yes. to deal with reality or something. They've gotten a thick enough skin playing the game. Yeah. And then if they're like, oh, this isn't for me, they got a thick skin, but they also realize I'm not good enough to play the sport. And isn't it better to allow a kid to understand that as opposed to telling them they suck mm-hmm. or you're not good enough? Like, mm-hmm. what if you just go like, yeah, man, soccer is not for me. I mean, I'm glad I did it, but like, this just isn't what I'm going to do. You know, like I, I personally think that's a lot better than like beating somebody down and making them feel terrible. Yeah, because when I think back, I think I probably did get some kind of participation trophy for soccer, and I yeah. don't think I it didn't like give me any delusions that I was yeah. good. Right. You know? I mean, I, I, I got one too, and we were so stoked to get like a. A thing to remember our team by. Right. You know, right. it's also just like remembering that you were on this team at that time and that place. Yeah. And as that person. I've just been sitting here quietly, but I really do agree <laughs> with everything that you've said to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dave Holmes. Welcome. Sorry. It's a long that's time a- down in my little eye cow. <laughs> we, I'm an uh, idiot. 
We, Sorry. Uh, hey, it happens. We were talking sports. Yeah. yeah. We were talking Can you believe it, Dave? We're talking baseball. I know. So who, Okay, so you're a Dodger fan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, I, I'm also, I still have an allegiance to Cleveland, but to, to be totally honest, I was like kind of relieved when they lost because yeah. I was like, I don't have to actually feel that. And I feel it less and less, Yeah. Um, which is interesting, especially with LeBron leaving and coming out here. I was yeah. like, oh my God, I'm free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, but I still have this, you know, twinge of, of memory and nostalgia for the Cleveland baseball team specifically. I have less allegiance to the Cavs, and even less so to the Browns. And honestly, the Browns are the team I'm rooting for the most just because they're so hilarious. And they're actually winning now, which is so bonkers. But um, I hate the NFL. So it's complicated. But yeah, um, it's a lot going it's on. It's a lot going on. Look, I'm a very simple man. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm much, I don't know. I've just like, as specifically this Dodger team, you know, like right. you fall in love with a team and the the guys on the team. And um, so like, I just like these, I just like them. And then, and also I play in a baseball league and those folks are like a really great friend group for me. And most of them are Dodger fans. Like we all went, so there was a game that was supposed to happen and it didn't happen because the city of Burbank didn't turn the lights on for us. So we all went to a bar and watched the Dodger game against Atlanta. And like, we're just all cheering for the same team. So we're on opposing teams, but cheering for the same team. And so it just feels Nice. I love that feeling. Yeah, it's a great feeling. I could not care less about sports usually. Sure. But there are little brief windows where I get really into it. Uh, a few Octobers ago, it's always October for baseball. I couldn't mm-hmm. care less at any other time of year. Mm-hmm. Hey, but guess when, what? That's when it gets good. I know. I know. I mean, there are hundreds of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the people that, you know, the, the payoff is that there's so many games that you're following a story yeah. for all these months. And yeah. then the crescendo the third act is the postseason. But yeah. it's also great because you can just come in for the postseason. You can even just literally come in for like the last scene, which yeah. is the World Series. I know. I you know do you know Will Leach? Yes. Sports writer for yep. New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, he is from St. Louis and uh, and is a friend of mine and uh, lives or lived at the time in New York. And so when when the Cardinals were in the World Series, this was nineteen eighty two. No. Very twenty eleven. Twenty two thousand six. 2011, let's say. I think it was 2011. This is and then the Josh 2006 Freeze before that. one. Yeah. Um, where, where, anyway, it was game six. Game five? Game six. And uh, and he got a bunch of people together in some, like, commuter bar by uh, Penn Station, one of those, like, massive places where nobody hangs out past, like, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And he got a bunch of St. Louis – he had, a, a, a like, a network of St. Louis ex, ex-patriots. Yeah. yeah. And like, and he had a little thing for us, and so we all went, and none of us really knew each other at the beginning of Game Six. Which, oh, yeah. if you remember, that was like it was. It went into like went to like thirteen innings. It was super mm-hmm. exciting, home runs aplenty. Like, even I came in not caring. At the end of it, in tears, <laughs> yeah, right? Of course, my arms around people yeah. I had only met, you know, yeah, three absolutely. hours before, covered in their draft beer. It was just, it was, it's yeah. so yeah, exciting. That's the experience I want. Yeah. yeah, it's a great experience. But yeah, I can't sustain it. I can't sustain it. I wish I could. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's not it's not it's literally not for everybody. That's true. you know, <laughs> it's just not. Yeah, but it's for you. It is for me. So what else is on your DVR besides baseball? Okay, what's on my DVR is uh, well, there's a ton of shit, but it's most of it I don't watch. But the things that I watch the most that are on my DVR are uh, I'll go in ascending order, so from least watched to most watched, and it's oh, only I three love it. three shows. Uh, the Prophet. Oh. 
I'm okay. a big Marcus Limonis fan. Uh, I just like the way he does business. Interesting. It's affected me. I I do his handshake. It's great. What, what is, is his handshake? Well, he does a ha- he makes full eye contact the whole time, okay, and we're then he, do it. he puts his hand up like this. Great to meet you. Uh-huh. So his hand goes up. I see. It's like he's offering his hand instead of it's not. Then uh-huh. also, men can't do this thing to me. It's very helpful. Oh, I like that because they they do the dead fish thing to women. Yeah. Non-binaries. Meaning, meaning whatever. Like that. that Here, uh, I'll do it to you. It sucks. I, like I I I hate that. But yeah. do you want me to I, yeah. do the thing? I, I no, kind I of do that to the, the yeah exactly. It so if I out. do that, then they can't really do. They can only get it to here. But you're yeah. doing it Half to way. them. Half, kind of. But, but no, I don't dead not, fish. Right, right. Because I go no, in with strength. Grip. I don't like. I do an actual handshake. I oh, don't. I don't. You don't grip the. Yeah, what I did to you, I don't do. But that's what guys do to me. Sometimes women don't do it to each other. Women don't usually shake hands. I was shaking hands with a bunch of like women recently and they were looking at me like I was crazy and I was like you're gonna be very grateful in like five years that I did this uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're gonna be like oh man this was great that that person shook my hand a while ago but I, I just I started doing it because um, sometimes people like to take pictures or whatever after shows and or they'll just want to say hi or something and I start I, I just shake everybody's hand because I feel like also queers don't do that and we don't get to participate in that and so i thought that you know if it was something that i could give to people Uh maybe just it's a little bit of that slice of that sort of respect mutual respect and dignity that Uh goes on in the world that we don't always get yeah and so like also it it means like even though you just saw me on stage like we're on the same right now in this moment we're like on the same thing Mm -hmm. and so you can say whatever you need to say nothing like a firm handshake nothing like a firm handshake it's a great uh, posture also that comes oh, yeah. with it. I wish people yeah. could see it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I I like hugging people too. I like all that stuff, but uh-huh. I just think it's a nice way of meeting people. Yeah. And then you've hugged them the next time. Meet Rhea in real life. You yeah. will get a handshake. No, you will get you a handshake for sure. I, yeah. So Marcus Limonis, um, uh-huh. I think he treats people with respect. I like the way he does business. I like the way he grows businesses. I also fully understand this is a reality show and it's produced. <laughs> but compared to all the other ones, I just like the way it works. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've like actually learned a lot about how to treat people and stuff. I love it. What else um, have you learned about how to treat people? I just think that if you go in treating other people with respect and dignity – Odds are they're going to do the same thing back. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't, we'll have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think – because some people like to be a shit to other people yeah, and be sort of disrespectful or like treat them like they're less than or whatever um, in, in the belief that like having that sort of dominating sort of feeling on somebody is going to make them do what you want. Mm-hmm. But I just don't find that to be true. I mean yeah. when people did that to me and I, I, I was in a in their employee or something, I – hated them right and you don't <laughs> so wanna, i can't imagine yeah. that it's different if i do it yeah. you know like and plus it's just not really in my it's not really in me to be like ordering people around or whatever yeah but uh i just like that method you know yeah. uh and curiosity treating treating people with curiosity that like yeah. you're interested in what they are doing and yeah. bringing even if they're working for you right even if they're literally a pa like they're, they want to do something else, probably, uh-huh. or maybe they don't. I don't know. Let's yeah. find out. I yeah. would love to know. You know, yeah. like so. Let's see how is this going to work for whatever. Uh, like everybody's had to do something they don't like. So why would I make this worse for you? Right. Um, it's Robert Forster said this. It's the there are two kinds of respect. There's the respect that you have for the person who's got a baseball bat that they're about to swing at your head. Oh yeah. 
And then there's the respect that you have for somebody who like sees something in you and wants to work with you and wants to like build you up. And, yeah, like, the that person kind of respect that you want to return makes the the baseball bat. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of respect you want to return. The other kind you can't wait to just be finished oh, with just it, get, get and away. not have to deal with yeah. that person. And again. it's not respect; it's just fear. And it's yeah, just fear. it's fear. It's, right. Yeah, it's not respect. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the prophet. Yeah, the prophet. Prophet. Love that comes in at Number three. Number three. Number two is King of the Road. Which is a skateboarding show mm, on Viceland. Oh, Dave, I think you're going to love it, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, so it is a, a TV show version of a thing that Thrasher magazine has been doing for a couple years now, uh, which is called King of the Road. And it is essentially a scavenger hunt, but with skateboarding. So, like, oh. you're not actually scavenging for anything. It's the, the skateboard tricks are the scavenger hunt. <sighs> so they take three skateboard teams, so three companies their team members basically get in a van and drive all over pretty much like the West coast into Arizona, stuff like Texas. Sometimes they've gone to Hawaii um, and they're competing to win the thing for points. And they don't know how many points they have. It's all totaled up at the end. Um, And they get a big binder of tricks that they can do for points. And then, but then also like pranky stuff or like just weird, funny, like, I don't know who, what team can make out with the most girls, like just or uh-huh. ma- make out. Like they've also this most recent season, one of them was like somebody needs to get married because they were in uh, Reno. Yeah, and this was the most amazing thing. They were like, "So who's going to get married?" And these two dudes went, "You want to do it?" They got married to oh, each other, yes. and they fucking like they cried, like they were like into it. I mean, not because they were like in love with each other, but because they were like getting married, and they took it actually kind of seriously. And love can grow, and none of them like they did not make fun of it. They weren't oh. like, oh, we're you know whatever. Yeah. They were like, because it's like a thing you can do now. It's totally acceptable to do. Well, not totally, but it's acceptable to do. And so it was actually really like fun. And who knows what was on the editing floor? But they didn't put that shit in. And so oh. I like loved that about it. Yeah. You know, where I was just like. Are you kidding me? Because I grew up skateboarding and like literally every moment was just hearing the F word all the time. I don't mean fuck. Yeah. Um, So like it's crazy to see like this evolution in skateboarding. It still has a so far to go, but seeing that has been pretty amazing. Um, But the skateboarding in it is really gnarly because they're on a road trip and that's like when that stuff goes down and – it's really well made. It really like this. There's not a ton of story to it, but there's just enough that you're like, oh man, this is cool, and you really feel like you're in there with them. Yeah, it's just like a really fun thing, and it takes me back to when I was, you know, my, like my skateboarding days and stuff. And the season before this, they had a bunch of uh, they each team midway through the trip had like a girl skater join them, and then that was really cool to see them all skating together. And one of them is like a a very cool skater uh lacy baker who's like doing a lot of shit for like visibility and like really making a whole new world of skateboarding for like girls and non-binary people trans adjacent you know all that stuff um because it just didn't exist and like the internet has really allowed social media has allowed for that to happen because like i basically quit because i didn't have anybody yeah you know it's hard when you're the only one it's really lonely yeah do you still skate just like casually now in life i would love to say that the answer is yes, but I don't do it a ton. I do want to, I do want to all the time, but then I don't. And, 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 uh, <laughs> For not you, any reason other than I'm like, I should go. And then I'm like, oh, it's 3 p.m. I'm not going. There's going to be yeah. kids there. Yeah. <laughs> like I will go at seven and roll around, but then that means I have to get up. It's 
five to go skateboarding, right. and, which and I you would do. Can but do the tricks and all all the stuff. I think I could. I can roll around for sure, and I might yeah. be able to get a kickflip after a couple hours. How padded out would you be? None. 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 You're so cool. I never padded out. Yeah, but I mean, but I no, you're, you're not, Dave. I'm not going to put no. See, you that's why I hip, don't go. That, well, you, there's no pads for hips. Well, there's no. Yeah, what am I going to put on hockey shorts? No. I mean, you could. I could, but I'm not going to. Okay. You don't need them. Yeah, because you're cool. You are cool. I mean, that's the thing that I would do is be very conservative because the last time that I did get back on my board, like years and years ago, I went too hard, too fast, and I think I broke my arm. <laughs> and then I just Oof. had just gotten a job, so I didn't have insurance yet, and I just like had to ride it out. Oof. I mean, I definitely sprained it. I felt like this, like Ooh, my boy. body on, yeah. So it wasn't uh, a very different handshake. <laughs> it's a very different handshake with concrete and my torso. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I love it and I would love to do it more, but it just doesn't happen as much as I'd like to. I gotcha. Because the- I play baseball. I play baseball every week and that is, you know, like I'm very sore today. Yeah. And that was two days ago and we only practiced. And are, is the baseball league people, are, are, are these people you knew? Previously, no. I mean, there's a handful of people in it that I. Well, it was a friend, Alice Wetterland, uh, comic and actor, got me into it, so I knew her. And then, almost no one did I know in the first iteration of it. And now this new one, I knew the people from that old league. But more people have come into it, and there's like some like Carl Tart is on one of the teams from Uh White Women. Uh Um, So I know him, but that was you know it's like I I was kind of already there, and then he came into it. but yeah, it's uh, almost all people that I didn't know before this. Gotcha. That I've that I've built friendships and relationships with over the course of four years on Sundays. Okay, that's so almost cool. exclusively. Love that. <laughs> yeah, like I've just started to get their phone numbers. And how's everybody's skill level? It varies, and I would say it's um, you know it's not. There's people that have played in high school, and there is a a peppering of people that played in college to some capacity. But it's really limited in that, number one, because, like, those are ringers. So you can't really do that because mm-hmm. we kind of have rules against it because it's mostly com- comedians, musicians, actors, okay. with a, more emphasis on musicians. It's mostly music- musicians. So I would say, like, I mean, we're good, but, like, if we played some other league that is a bunch of ex-baseball players, we'd get our asses handed to us. Mm-hmm. But we would have a fun time doing it. <laughs> but what's nice about it is it's very evenly matched in that way. Like, uh-huh. there's five teams in the league, and it was essentially a three-way tie for first place. Okay. You know, so that's – then there was, like, a, a the last game of the se- – it came down to the last game of the season. It was between us and the visitors, and so it was for first place or third place, and we won. So we got first place. Yes. Congratulations. Well Which is amazing because most of my team was from the old league, and the, that team in the old league was – always either last place or second to last place. And so now we've just been playing together for so long that we're actually, like, good because we played together for so long. It's and we, now. like, communicate and do – it's great. It's really fun. What is the overall level of humorless competitiveness in the league? In the league? Right yeah. now, like, humorless competitiveness? Well, what exactly is your definition of that? Like, do people get upset when they lose? Um, for a minute. 
Okay. But not as much, like the old league was terrible. Yeah. And I realized that I was bringing in a lot of my like shoulders up from that stuff mm-hmm. at, like a couple weeks ago and I dropped it and like everything has changed. Oh, I, good. Like there's sometimes, you know, there's disputes about calls and we'll get pissed at each other, but then we realize like, well, we'll just get them back. You know, like yeah. we'll just get the, cause we, we ump each other. So like, if you think that we gave you a bad call, then you're just going to give us one. So it's like, we pay it back, you know, okay. and it, it just goes around and comes back around. There hasn't, there was one fight, but not like a altercation, but it was just like a fight. And I think that's either subsided or they've just decided to like stay away from each other a little bit, you know, okay. but there's really not a, a lot of that these days. That's what scares me off. Yeah. It's not, it's not like that because yeah. softball gets, the thing is like when people play softball, they have something to prove because uh-huh. they used to play baseball and now they're like, I, I know I'm I'm better than everybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's definitely people that are like, I'm better than everybody in this league, but they don't treat everybody like that. Okay. That just doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Like I, I was saying to Matt, like we, there was supposed to be a wild card game. It didn't wild card game and it didn't happen because the city of Burbank didn't turn the lights on for us. So then we all went to this bar after to watch the Dodger uh, Atlanta game. Which one? Uh, the one that Atlanta won. <clears throat> no, which uh, which bar? Oh, sorry. Well, I'm not going to blow up the spot, Dave. Oh, okay. It's a secret spot. Okay. Um, I think I know where it is. Join the league. Yeah, it's it's in a parking lot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. So we went all went there, and then we're all like cheering for the Dodgers together. Yeah. So there's like you know, and like I was just texting with a dude about how he's making like back patches for the league logo and stuff. So like overall, everybody's just into the thing. Yeah. It's less about who wins, who beats who. It's more about like. The, the whole the overall thing and the fact that we get to do this and we're all like mostly in our mid 30s mm-hmm. and we take an entire Sunday to go play baseball which is a children's game so it's kind of fantastic how many of those Sundays it. are you not able to make because of comedy and this Sunday and this year I've made a lot because I was in a writer's room so I got to play all summer because I, I couldn't go anywhere mm-hmm. before that I missed a ton I missed a lot but you sometimes uh, want to say no to major <laughs> jobs. Because yes. You don't miss well, it. I took jobs and then I made sure that I could get back in time without taking red eyes for our World Series because it's coming up. Ooh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do, can, can pedestrians just come and watch these? Oh games? yeah, it- absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to put it on here just yeah, because yeah, yeah. of. But you guys can come. I'll but send it to you. Can, oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, fun. like I'm going to this wild card game, and like I told last week when it was happening, I like told people about it because like. It's fun, right? Yeah. It's fun to not pay $100 and, like, watch some weird capitalist thing. It's, like, just a bunch of people that put this shit together and are really into it. One time we had a game. My friend Jim brought his buddy who had an organ. He brought a keyboard and was playing an organ. He had, like, a gas-powered – what is that called? A – yeah, uh, generator. He brought uh-huh. a generator and then was doing. Dun, 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 dun. I was like losing my mind. Like oh. this is absolutely the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> like it was so. It's so great. Like they're trying to get it for these games. Somebody wow. to play music yeah. or something. Oh, oh, we should get. We should that's recruit so Ben for this. That would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, it. just wonderful shit that you're just yeah. like. This is cool. But this is what happens when people come together to do something that they love. Yeah. And we need to do more of that. I love it. So what's, uh, what is number one? Oh, Num- yeah. Number one is American Pickers. American Pickers. <laughs> <laughs> it is a show on history. Dave, do you know about it? I do. Okay, great. Um, it's uh, these two guys, Mike and Frank, that own – they own a like a, a retail store called Antique 
archaeology. Uh-huh. And what they do is they're pickers. That's what they call it. Um, they go out like junking, basically. Like they go looking for rare finds, things that are, you know, worth money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like Antiques Roadshow, except they go out and find the stuff and then they wheel and deal with people. So they go to people's houses. And for the most part, it's people who are, you know, like the same kind of thing that they right. go out and pick and find the stuff and go to, you know, whatever. Sometimes it's people that were, you know, demolition guys. Those people tend to like my dad worked in HVAC and stuff. So he'd be in people's houses, see something and be like, Hey, you want to sell that for 20 bucks? And then they'd be like, sure. Like he's gotten crazy stuff just Mm -hmm. doing that. So like that kind of thing. And so I grew up around people that were like that. I'm also like a ancestral hoarder. So it fits in my wheelhouse. And I, I just, I love old shit. I love looking for things. I love deal making. And I also, can't really do what they're doing, which is I can't just walk up to somebody's door and knock on it and be like, hey, can I come in? Because, like, not everybody's going to be into that, you know? <laughs> so, like, um, I get to do that vicariously through these guys on this show. Oh, that's been that's going a on. great show vehicle for you, by the way. Just I, I know. Going door to door as a picker. Yeah, exactly. I would love to do <laughs> that, but I think mind. I would have to do it in certain places. <laughs> Only <laughs> because fearless. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, not because I'm judgmental, but just because, like, I've been, to, I, I used to live in Indiana. And, uh, yeah, you can't go up to everybody's door. No. Nor do you want to. Nor do you want to. Uh, I have to ask, does your love of sports transfer to sports movies? Uh, yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Specifically, well, yes, I, pretty much any sports movie I will watch. I prefer the the more like drama ones. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not as into. But the thing is, like a lot of the comedy ones have all have drama in them too. It's not like Major League doesn't have like dramatic moments that make you cry, especially mm-hmm. if you grew up a Cleveland fan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, do you want to know what my favorite one is? Yes, I do. Bull Durham. Ah, it's a great one. And then it's technically a tie with a league of their own. Okay, those two. But Bull Durham, if you if you want to talk about a movie that understands the romance with baseball, that's the movie. If you want to talk about a movie that fits in my wheelhouse, but is also ultimately about what it means to be on a team and what it means to do something that you love and get the opportunity to do it, then a league of their own is is that movie. So I, I feel like that's the only sports movie I've ever seen. Really of course. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And tells a story that literally nobody knew about until it did. And, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take a break. Let's do that. <laughs> back. Sold in America. It's a new podcast looking at the billion-dollar sex trafficking industry right here in the U.S. That's right. They traveled around the country and talked to the real people involved in the sex trade uh, to shine a light on surprising misconceptions. Mm -hmm. It's a deep investigation into the world of selling sex, legal and illegal. Uh, It's an intimate and personal look at the people it impacts. The host, Noor Tagori, is amazing, a total badass. She's a Muslim-American journalist, and at just 24 years old, she's an internationally recognized uh, storyteller and activist. Mm -hmm. So you can hear from women who've had near-death experiences, learn what it's like to work through one's darkest hours. You will never look at the sex trade the same way again. Guys, Sold in America is out now on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. So subscribe and don't miss an episode of this incredible story. And we're back. 
So what a break. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel rested? I feel rested. I took Good. a quick nap. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Good. You might need it. <laughs> our first question. Yeah. This segment is what's always. Up? <laughs> what's your current relationship status? <laughs> uh, my current relationship status is that I am uh, spending a lot of time uh, on myself. That's what my current relationship status is. That's that great. like I'm actually spending a lot of time. Um, I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but self care. Um, just cause I think, you know, self-care can be so many things, but I think what I've gotten recently is that I actually have a relationship with myself that I don't, I don't know when I had one or if I ever did, you know, sometimes. Um, and so I think that I've been working on that and I think that self-care can be like facial masks and Netflix, but that's not the kind of self-care that I'm doing right now. Like the kind of self-care that I'm doing is like, it's going to sound so Los Angeles, but I'm really doing this, like meditating literally every day. Um, I went to I, I started seeing like a completely different kind of therapist that's like helped me understand a lot of stuff. And I'm just spending a lot of time, you know, just spending a lot of time that is uh, mindful and uh, feels like part of a bigger practice. Yeah. And um, just spending time with myself. And it's really helped with just like general anxiety, like understanding what anxiety is and that you don't have to live in it. You know, you can't, you can work on separating yourself from your anxiety, but running all the time and not spending mindful time and, and just doing things to fill your time actually doesn't help, at least for my anxiety. It doesn't yeah. help. Um, and meditating has actually been really helpful for that because I always thought that meditating was like turning your brain off. I thought it was like, oh, it's time to just shut down and nothing's happening. Like, we don't ever actually really do that. Not even when you're sleeping, your brain doesn't shut down. Right. So it's actually, what I've learned is it's allowing thoughts to happen, but without judgment and without um, them affecting you. And so I've, like, learned over the course of, I think, 30 days I've been doing this now. So not a ton of time. But for me, that's a ton of time because before it was zero days. Yeah. So 30 days is a lot. Um that it's actually just like spreading that space between the thoughts and the self and just like watching them go by, yeah. you know, and doing it for like a concentrated amount of time. I do it for 20 minutes, which, again, doesn't sound a lot, like a lot of time, but before it was zero. It is a <laughs> so lot. So 20 minutes is a long time. A long time. Um, and, you know, it's built like it will grow, but that's not my goal. My goal is to continue doing it and mm -hmm. practice doing it. So. Even just in that 30 days, like I can, I do it throughout the day, you know, like I find myself getting into these, you know, thought patterns and the, the repeating things and just like, just thoughts going through my brain and then just going like, it doesn't matter. Like th that's not actually happening and you're just thinking and that's okay. You don't have to stop it and you're not wrong and you didn't do anything bad. <laughs> Your brain's just doing what it's supposed to do yeah. and you're sitting here. So just sit here. Do you need to be anywhere? No. Okay. Let's just sit here for a second and then we'll just we'll just zen out for a minute. And like it's really helped a lot. What does anxiety look like for you? How does it manifest? Like what what do I do when I'm anxious or yeah, just what what is what is the Sure. What is the well, I fidget a lot, you know, yeah. like I'm a, I bite my fingernails and I like tap my, I don't know if you've seen me bouncing. Like uh -huh. I do that thing a lot uh -huh. and like shake my foot if I have my legs crossed. Um, and also I tend to like, uh, like leave, you know, like if I'm in a social situation, 
if it's a lot of people, I don't because then I'm like, there's a lot of people here and I, I, I tend to um, stay with it when there's more people because I'm like very social in that way. But if it's a small amount of people or one-on-one, I can tend to like kind of drift off. Um, and I think that is because my parents were divorced my entire like they're still, obviously still divorced, um, but my whole childhood was divorced parents. So I was always spending time like essentially one on one with one parent that for most of the time was pretty upset about their the fact that they were divorced. And, you know, like all this stuff was going on for them and they weren't processing it outside of me. I mean, they were, but not enough because it was still happening. And so I was spending a lot of time alone with someone else. And so I tend to then just take care of myself by like going inside myself because I just did that like the whole time. So yeah. I'm, I'm like working on understanding that and knowing like that that's what I do. So it, it feels like a relationship with yourself, but it's not really because you're going inside yourself to go away, uh-huh. which I don't really want to do, you yeah. know, because it's not really great. It's not good. Right. Yeah. I feel That's like you're what, doing but, great right now. Thank you. I feel like you're very much here. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I'm trying it. to be very present. You know, Faye feels it's, you. Yeah. What's up, yeah. Faye? Faye's actually not feeling anything. She's asleep <laughs> right now. Faye's feeling but Faye. I really, yeah, yeah. I wanted to involve. Yeah. Her. But we, yeah, being present is really important. You know, and it's it's easy to not be, but it's uh, so much better to be. I've found. Yeah. And it's a. Ch- I mean, regardless of what your relationship status oh, yeah. is, it's a a journey we're all on. Oh yeah. And you're, I mean, I, I cannot tell you the amount of times that I have caught Michael and I sitting side by side, staring at our phones. Oh and yeah. Like as soon as you catch it, it's like, holy shit. Oh yeah. The phone, down. the phone has always been a big problem. Yeah. And how, how are you with it now? Uh, I'm better. I use it primarily. Like I, I, um, I will take Instagram and Twitter off of my phone often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then inevitably I have to promote something and then it has to go back on and then yeah. I drag my feet taking it back off. Um, so Twitter I don't have on my – I don't have the app on my phone because I don't want notifications. Yeah. I love that stupid website. I know. It's, yep, I I'm just like putting that code in, putting that code in, putting uh-huh. that code in. Um, but I don't scroll through it at all okay. anymore. I don't do it. I don't know what's like happening a ton and like – Yes, that's a privilege, but also I'm trying to take care of myself to try to take care of other people. So I think that's not a privilege. That's actually a, a good thing to do. Because, like, I don't – I literally don't need to know all these things, you know? No. I, do, I don't need to know all these things. Like, yeah. that's supposed to be somebody else's job, and we should fix that. Uh, but I don't know that we can fix that by being angry at everything all the time because yeah. that actually works for them. And if you're on your phone scrolling – in your house, in your relationship, you've just allowed them to enter those places. So I don't want that to happen anymore because I know it was a, it's a problem. Um, so I use my phone primarily for, for my meditating app, which just keeps me doing it. Um, and then I use it to like text people and call people and then email for work. Um, but I'm kind of taking like a, a little bit of a like work break because I just finished a big job. And so I'm like, this is like kind of my vacation. Yeah. Which is just like hanging out with myself. Do you have the Freedom app? 
No. I know it's weird to no. like, recommend an app. No, I'm into it. To keep you from doing other apps. Sure, 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 sure. But it's, uh, it was invaluable for me while I was writing my book because I'll just sit and scroll oh, through yeah. Twitter all day yeah. long. Um, it will block access to whatever websites mm-hmm. you are wasting your time on. Nice. And so from, you know, I mean, there's a bunch for me. And uh, and so you can do it for an hour. You can do it for all yeah. day. And it's just like it just takes it away. Like yeah, you can't, you you can't, can't do, do it. it. Yeah. You can't do it. The new phones have that, except you can bypass it. You can be like, turn off, and you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but the new phones have like, will tell you how long you've been on the phone. And that is like, ooh, I'm glad I didn't have this before. That's yeah. a rude awakening. That would be that. terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mostly am just like texting people because I do, I, I like to communicate with people. But what I'm trying to do is communicate with friends as opposed to communicate with strangers that I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And have like, Meaningful communication. Yeah, yeah. To, to sort of, you know. Absolutely. I mean, I've definitely had the occasional meaningful interaction with someone on Twitter, but that is so few and far between and not worth all the other garbage. You yeah. know, it's just literally not worth it. Yeah. Um, and I've just had recently, like, and who knows why. There, I could I could sit and try to think of why, but I've recently just had some people be really shitty to me on the internet. And it was shitty before, but I mean, like, cuttingly shitty and it's not just like some troll it's like somebody that might consider themselves to be a quote fan you know just saying like shitty comments about my personal life and i was like oh yeah this isn't worth it this is what i'm doing is not nope i'm not doing that anymore i'm like giving too much or now i've realized it is too much you know like i'm not spending much time in regret these days but like just going like oh yeah i'm not going to give that anymore Mm -hmm. because this person ruined it now, I mean, have you had to deal with a lot of that from fans? No, it, it wasn't until recently that that and, – and again, I, I don't know if they are, you know, but it right. didn't feel like – I guess what I mean is it wasn't just like a random troll finding me and uh-huh. saying something terrible. It was very like specific to me, uh-huh. the things they were saying. Yeah. Um, and that just sucked. And then also on the thing that happened on Twitter that really made me go think and, and think about how – how much Twitter is not real life at all, even though I knew that. But when you get the reminder of like, oh, this isn't a good place to spend time. You know, like there are much better places to spend your time. Like you can say stuff on there and then put your phone down and go do something else. Um, Was that um, I started saying that I like, I like, I I personally like to use the word queer when I'm talking about the community, just because I feel like it's a a one word that gets everybody. It gets a lot of people with one word because like LGBTQ, I don't, I'm not like making fun of it. I just think it's, it's been taken a little bit by politics. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like it has, it doesn't feel like anything to me now. It just kind of is what it is. Uh I see it all the time. It doesn't really, it it feels like it can be sort of siloed, you know, where you're like, I'm a lesbian and that person's bisexual. It's like, there's so much overlap of all this stuff that like queer just feels better to me. It feels like the queer movement also is like, what's coming after the LGBTQ movement. You know, it's like, this is a new moment where we are saying like, it's a bunch of us in different forms and we're all in this together. Um, And there are groups of people who spend most of their time on the internet who think uh, that that is somehow inherently violent towards them by, I guess me referring to them as queer by saying the queer community. But it's like, if you don't identify with the queer community, then I'm not talking about you. Mm-hmm. It's simple as that. Also, queer exists in the in the thing, um, but they they started like a you know when people just kind of get together on the internet and like 
were reporting people who followed me and then also just like getting people to unfollow me that it was literally I was watching my Twitter follower count go like this. And first I was like, what the what's happening? And then I realized, like, why do I care? Right. I can't believe I'm sitting looking at a website watching a number go down uh-huh. and it's affecting me. That shouldn't be happening at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it sucked that those people are there because it's like turfs basically was what it was. Mm. Um, and they suck. But, mm. and, but they, they mostly exist on the Internet. That's not to say they don't exist in real life. Yeah. And they are a thing. And we should be concerned with that and we should be talking about it. And we should be trying to like neutralize it or at least the people who don't understand what they're aligning themselves with. But it's just not as big as it is like they are not as big as they seem to be if you're not on the internet they kind of don't exist yeah because the more when i hang out with people who identify as queer they're not turfs i don't hang out with turfs because there's not that many of them (laughs) and they're not where i'm at and there's a lot i hang out with a huge swath of people you know i go to events they're not turfs these are people that agree with what's on the wall you know so Mm -hmm. like I guess I also, in my life, I'm just trying not to bring up the bad things, you know? If the bad thing isn't there, I'm not going to bring it up. Like, yes, we need to be aware of these things. But I, as like a white, you know, like non-binary butch lesbian who doesn't identify as a transgender woman, I'm not going to bring up in a group of people who are all there to be on board with, you know, like we're having – we're t- we're having queer talks and like all the, everybody's in this room to experience this moment together. I'm not going to bring up violence towards trans women in that moment because there might be trans women in that room that are trying to get a moment away from that. Yeah. And it's not affecting me. It affects me as a human being because I have a heart and conscience and I don't want that to happen, but that is not the place that I should be bringing it up. So like all of these, I've went on a very long tangent, but no, the internet no. makes you think you have to talk about these things all the time. Yeah. And that is, isn't the way it works. That doesn't mean you're not acknowledging it or understanding it, but it means that when you're in, like, let's say, mixed company and you are not that person that's being affected by something, that's actually decentering your privilege, not bringing it up. That's what it is. Decentering your privilege is not reminding everybody that you have privilege, reminding everybody what you are, like a white person, you know, like that's centering your privilege again. Bringing up your privilege, bringing up the problems of others is centering your privilege again because you're just like bringing trauma into a conversation that wasn't there. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I've just had that realization like getting away from the internet has really helped me to understand that. And this is the first time I've talked about it. So you're thank you for letting me hijack no. your podcast no, and talk about it. But um, it's just – and I've done it. Even after this realization, I've done it. Yeah. Um, in like a lift, I brought up the fact that like Dodger Stadium – actually removed an indigenous population of people out of Chavez Ravine to build the stadium and displaced them. Um, And so even though I was a Cleveland fan and don't do it because they have a racist mascot, like honestly moving to the Dodgers still has a ton of issues because they, they literally moved indigenous people to build that stadium that has had an effect on entire generations of people that live in the city. Um, It sort of was made back a little bit, but when they, uh, put Fernando Valenzuela on the team, the first Mexican-born player to ever play for the Dodgers. Uh, That's why they have like a Mexican and Mexican-American following at all today. That one player, that doesn't mean that it's okay. And I brought that up in a lift ride to a a woman who uh, was not white and 
I got out of it and was like, why did I bring that into her life? She didn't know about it and she didn't need to know about it, especially not from a white person. Like right. me saying that was being like, look at everything I know. And isn't that terrible? And like, that was terrible to, for, for me to bring that into her life. I like colonized a sadness in her life. Yeah. And I got out and was like, shit, don't do that again. Like, don't do it. Don't do that. I'm like, going back. it's so many times <laughs> that I have been, been this person and that, and that it's a, it's a, it's a, a form of, uh, what is the term? Virtue signaling? Yeah. Vir- right. Uh, which I don't, I think I've just done, you know, completely without anyway. Oh yeah, because it's it, when you hear the the term virtue signaling, it kind of evokes someone with a finger in the air and very right. blah 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 blah. But it's actually, uh, you know, more sinister when you're just talking and you don't realize, like, oh, I'm I'm doing that right now because yeah. it feels just like conversational. But then you're like, this wasn't. Part of the conversation. Did I need to bring the Faye? That was Faye. It's all right. A post. She agrees with me. She's okay. Get it. it Get it, girl. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that. So that's yes. Like it's it's not a it's not a thing that. And I mean, I've been thinking about that in comedy too. Like, do I should I you know? Because I used to think people that weren't making jokes about this stuff or weren't talking about this stuff on stage weren't doing anything. And I, I don't know. There's something to be said about giving people. Of 60 minutes to not think about this shit. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're not thinking about it. I think if you write political humor, you really need to write it well. And so I, it's not something that I want to talk about anymore right now without putting a serious amount of thought into it. Because mm-hmm. I think you can exercise things like, you know, like trauma and sadness and, and, and anger. Um, but I also think like, what do I want? What do I want to put into people's lives? Yeah. You know, and so I'm right. trying to take some time with that. And like, what is mine to talk about? Right. And what is absolutely is else's? A hundred percent. I mean, I've always on stage only talked about my experience because I feel like that way, a, no one can steal your jokes, and mm-hmm. b, um, that's the experience that I know. So I'm not lying. You know, I'm not yeah. making anything up when I'm talking about it. And that's gotten me in trouble, you know? Like, I talked about gender stuff, and there was a, a joke that I that is on my album, um, and I preface it with, I'm just talking about myself. You know, like, I tried to say these things that, um, you know, like a woman was giving me this dirty look for going into the women's restroom, clearly because she thought I was in the wrong place. And I was like, no, I'm not the one trying to get the wrong thing in here because she had a cart with her in the bathroom. <laughs> and I said that based on, number one, it's like not trying to get the wrong thing, and I just mean... Like, I literally mean thing. I've also been called thing, but it's also something that, you know, other trans people, uh, non-binary, gender non-conforming people have been called. And so someone was like, that's really upsetting to me. And I took it to heart because I was like, okay, well, what does that all mean? You know, and ultimately, I felt like this was my experience that I was talking about. And I didn't, I, I did not mean it that way. And it isn't it isn't that close to something that it is me flippantly using a word that is super offensive. I, I didn't think that it was, you know, because I was actually talking about a thing. I was actually trying to say, essentially, don't call people things because you literally have a thing in yeah, here that yeah. isn't supposed to be in here. I'm a human being. That's how I ended it. That's how I changed it. I haven't done the joke in a while. I, I, I would say that. Like, you're, I'm not the one trying to get the wrong thing in here. You brought in your cart into the women's restroom, I'm a human being. That's right. how I fixed it. Yeah. Because then you're like, yeah, don't call people a thing, even if I'm the one calling me a thing. 
can you tell us your coming out story? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, what's funny is I came out multiple times. I don't think that's it's unrelatable. I know many yeah. people, especially my age group of people. Um, so I actually came out to somebody uh, when I was 19. I had gone to a skate park. So, you know, I spent most of my life trying to understand what the, that was. You know, I, I've said a lot of times, like retroactively, like, oh, I knew the whole time, but I didn't really know. But it's just, you just know you're like different. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are many ways that I was different. But then those many ways add up to, oh, a lot of that was that you were gay, or a lot of that was that you were a lesbian, or a lot of that was that you were butch, or a lot of that was that you're gender nonconforming. Like, all of those things were happening and trying to understand that. Um, so that was there for me the whole time. But, I mean, I, I like, you know, in high school dated a guy. We're still friends because we were, like, kids, and I was trying to understand myself, you know, and I didn't, like – wasn't like repulsed by it or anything, but that was just what happened um, or what was going on. And so I came out to someone after I had, I had gone to a skate park because I set up like my whole college schedule so that I could go skateboarding. Mm -hmm. That was how into like I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. I was like, I could do it. I could. There's not that many girl skateboarders. I could totally do it. Like if I could get to a certain level, I could totally do this. Oh. Um, and I went one day and there was another girl skater there. And this almost never happened back then. I think that's not the case these days, which is awesome. But um, and then there was a, a dude that I knew who was essentially a mutual like friends with both of us. And he came skating over to me and he was like, that's my friend. She thinks you're really cute. And then left. And I was like, I thought I was going to die. Because I just never thought of – that had never happened that way. Yeah. I always had – I always was, like, attracted to whether I understood it or not. I always found other women attractive and then felt shame and felt all those things. I didn't know it went the other way. Yeah. And so then when it went that way, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, shit. And, like, you know, I was old enough to be like, oh, yeah, that's what this is. Because, uh, I mean, I remember being 15 and watching the puppy episode and having, like, a full-body reaction to that. So, like, I knew many times, but culturally all this stuff was like, oh, don't do that or that's not what it is. Um, but then when I was 19 and, like, in college, even though I was still in my same hometown, just having that reflected back. And I don't even know that that was true. I think he might have been fucking with me, but I'm grateful for it. Yeah. So this <laughs> never talk to a mute No, it did nothing happen. She actually ended up dating that guy that I was talking about. So <laughs> like she but it it kind of is irrelevant cuz like I wasn't it didn't even matter. That didn't matter. You know, I wasn't like skating up to her being like, "Do you want to go get pizza sometime?" Like I was so terrified and it was fully my experience, you know. But what um, he said did give you a nudge oh it I was mean, a, a kick in the face yeah. you know what i mean like I, it made me realize a lot of things and then i uh flew out here to drive across country with this person and he was the first person i came out to and i felt like this tremendous weight off of my shoulders and like all this like a new person you know like i had cut my hair the way i wanted it to be for the first time i was like dying it black and like i was just doing all the things that i wanted to do and then he moved back to Ohio and he came to my house after we got back and was like, you can't be gay. I moved back here for you. And then I dated him for three years. And it was like a traumatic, looking back on it, it was like a traumatic bad thing that I'm still like working out a lot of things about. Three so years. Three, and those are three, that is 19 to 22. 
Wow. Those are some years. Yeah. Those are some years. And this person was like considerably older than me. You know, it was like not a, it was not a good scene. It was not, not a good but scene. You said my dude. you're still friends with him? No, that oh, was a, a different, that was oh, high, that was high school, high school boyfriend that we like yeah. skated together. And right. I'm still friends with him okay. because that was like a high school thing, you know, yeah, like yeah. friendship. Else Let's date. This was something this else entirely. High level intimidation. And yeah. And manipulation. like mildly predatory, I would say, yeah. you know, so it was like. Pretty sucked. Pretty sucked. But, um, you know, I eventually got out of that and, like, met someone and, you know, was in art school. And then, you know, there was, like, one butch lesbian that I was super attracted to. But that just never worked out because each of us was like, I don't know who does what. Like, just nothing happened. It was like two – we were attracted to each other very much. Um, But whatever, when it was, like, came down to it, it was just two magnets going, like – why aren't we going together? And it just didn't work. It just didn't happen. And at this point, you're now he's gone. You're out. He wasn't yeah. really gone yet. I I was like you know, getting around it kind yeah. of. And then there was another person, and um, so then that was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm. You know, he I got kind of rid of. It took a while because he was like effed up, kind of an effed up person. Um, and then yeah, so then I came out fully, well, mostly at 22. To everybody and most people were like yeah I, yeah yeah which is not the favorite thing so if you're a person listening to this and somebody comes out to you just be like that's awesome thank you for telling me i'm really stoked that's mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. because when you tell somebody like i know it's really shitty and it like diminishing to somebody's experience because if they feel like they can get to a place to tell you you should be so grateful that they're telling you that it takes yeah. a lot it takes a lot I, I went. I, it's funny hearing you say that because I'm like that is shitty. But I mean, it, I, I remember getting that reaction from people that I had known for a long time, and it, there was some, I found it comforting because it was like, oh, this never mattered. Yeah, this doesn't change anything mm-hmm. for yeah. us. But in but you're right. You're yeah. right. It, it's it's because it you know what it is. It it's about them. Right. That right. is about them. That's not about you. Right. They think it's about you because they're like, talking about you. Right. But it, they're talking about their experience of you. And, and what you're also, saying is that's not my experience because I need to tell you. Right. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly that's not my experience that yeah, I've been gay the whole time here and we both know. I clearly I didn't know because I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, so decenter yourself and be like, holy shit, that's awesome. Right. That's great. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, because even in the examples I'm talking about, if I, I think I it's that's that's me centering the other person because I'm telling them Fully with the intention of like making sure they're okay with it and making sure that yes, we're still right. cool. Yep. And we were, which yeah. was great. Yeah, it's always about them. Yeah. And it, the suggestion when it's like, oh, I knew, is like, oh, you've been in a conversation about me uh, yeah, that I wasn't yes, there. Yeah, exactly. Which like, is oh, you guys are, yeah, cool. Thanks a lot for talking to me, not talking to me about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's effed. Yeah, like people like to say, I don't care who you love or I don't care that you're gay. And like, I've said that to people on, look, I don't do it anymore, but I used, when I was on Twitter more, I would be like, hey, I know you mean this in a really nice way, but could you consider not saying you don't care? Because, like, I care about who you love. I like your wife. Like, (laughs) I care about her. Mm -hmm. I care about that. So, like, actually, I know what you mean, but think about it for a second that you could just be like, I think it's awesome. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that's you saying, I like it. Yeah. Saying you don't care is saying, I don't care. Yeah. 
I also know that like this stuff shouldn't have to be the conversation all the time, but guess what? It is. Mm -hmm. So let's have a good conversation about it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I would love, honestly, to never talk about it, but that's not the world we live in. And it's not our fault as queers that we have to talk about it all the time. Right. We didn't set up the heteronormative culture that we live in. We're living in it and we have to live in it. Either we live in silence or we live talking about it. There's no in between. So, yeah, you got to talk about it. Yeah. And like, and we've, I mean, we've spent a lot of hours talking about it. And every time we do, we learn something brand new. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And we have all right. held in our experiences for decades. Yeah. And where's our, <laughs> you know? like our culture, we don't, we have it. It's not that it doesn't exist, but it's not, you don't go to a museum and see, you know what I mean? Like it's not, we lost an entire generation of queers right. not that long ago. Like right. we've yeah. lost we a lot of shit. We So, so uh, thousands and thousands of years. So yeah. like, yeah, we're going to fucking talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to talk about our experiences to each other because we haven't been able to for a long, long time. Yeah. So if you don't want to listen, there's other places to go. You do not have to listen to me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to listen to you either. Yeah. <laughs> it took forever for me to get past the idea that talking about it was an imposition on a straight person. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like all through coming out, I, I just tried to take care of everybody. And oh, just yeah. Like, oh, no, everything's just normal and took cool and it's going to be fine. And it's like that's not – Good for anybody. No, no. It's not good for anybody. It gets you through They're the moment. They're not doing that work for you. No. And th- no. and honestly, they shouldn't. That's work that you shouldn't be doing for other people. You know, yeah. we shouldn't be doing that to each other. We should yeah. just be like holding space for each other. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. But we should. I also would love to hear about what the 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 journey from identifying as a butch lesbian to starting to use mm-hmm. like language around gender non-conforming sure. identity. Well, because I still I still identify as a butch lesbian. You're right. And I think uh, some of the turf stuff that I was talking about before, like, affected me and pushed me away from identifying as a lesbian, which then I realized sucked yeah. and was shitty. Like, I'm not going to let some shitty people take something away from me that other shitty people made me feel like I couldn't be to begin with. Like, what is that about? And I know that that's true, and it's not just me being a weirdo, because I've talked to other lesbians about it that are like, I kind of didn't want to call myself that because, like, you know, turfs are, suck. And I was like, okay, we can't be doing that. That can't be That can't be what's happening. Like, we can't let that happen. Mm-hmm. We just can't let that happen. You can't let that be taken. Um, and and I, I don't not feel like a lesbian, you know? Um, and, like, the, the non-binary thing... It's not – to me, it is an existence and not an identity. And that doesn't mean I think that's universal for everybody. I think if you think it's an identity and not an existence, great. I love that. Being non-binary is not one static thing. That's the whole thing about it mm-hmm. is that it's really just describing something I already was and didn't have language for and would be called something else 10 years ago or 10 years from now. And, like, non-binary just means gender nonconforming. They're kind of the same thing. Right. Um, it's just that, you know, originally I think non-binary was to be like, yeah, I don't I do not do either, you know. Um, but we're, we're all just trying to come up with language and specificity for something that isn't actually specific. So you're just getting into the weeds of things that are impossible to talk about because we're human beings. We're trying to compartmentalize everything, but we don't all fit into one box. That's the whole thing. You can, the only box we fit into is that we're human beings. That's it. That's and, literally it. 
all of these definitions themselves are are fluid. So yeah, right. You, you like by attaching yourself to one, it can suddenly right. mean something that isn't true for you. Absolutely, yes. And usually those are like external, and somebody else is like basically telling me I can't be something now. It's like, well, who the fuck are you? You think you can tell me what I am and am not? And like, I, it took me so long to be comfortable with like calling myself butch calling myself a lesbian like being into that that like to then be like oh well because you said this thing you're not that anymore like that's really stupid it's really silly and just not cool you know <laughs> like it's just not okay um and i think also like the way that i think about it you know we talk about like gender is fluid sexuality is fluid and like i think that's true but more for me the 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 reality of that phrase is not that sexuality of a of a one person is fluid it is that our understanding of it is yeah. my understanding of sexuality or gender is is fluid not mine i'm not like changing every day although you could say that I am because, like, every day I feel a different. Doesn't everybody feel a little different every day? Like, mm-hmm. you're like, I want to dress kind of sporty today. You're, like, wearing a tropical shirt today. You're like, well, I feel pretty tropical. Right yeah, exactly. Like, so everything is, like, slightly different every day. So, yes, there's some fluidity there. But I focus more on my understanding to be fluid, that, like, it doesn't have to be some static thing. There are a lot of black and whites in the world, like, goodness and badness and evil and good. But... You can't actually live in that, you know? So, like, you actually need to live in the middle. And the middle is, like, you can't always tell exactly where the middle is. So that's a pretty fluid place. And so each person, each thing, each experience that I have is different. So, like, I'm the one that's fluid, not not the practice, (laughs) you know? Uh My understanding of it is, my, my acceptance of it is. And I don't mean acceptance like, oh, I accept you. I mean... My accepting of the information in, into my world and my ecosystem. Yeah. And so in the sort of early days of this realization before mm-hmm. you understood it the way you are, are understanding it now, mm-hmm. was there another – was there like, oh, now I, I have to come out all over again? No. I didn't feel that way at all because people have been like, you came out as non-binary recently. And I'm like, not really because I feel like when I came out is when I came out. Right. And then that was like, you know, they say like smash the closet or that was Harvey Milk, right? Um, Harvey told us to smash the closet. So I did when I told my dad at 28. It took me that long to tell my dad, but that was my personal journey. So at 28, that was when my closet was like completely smashed. So I didn't really feel like I was coming out. I just kind of felt like I was finding some new language to describe something about myself that I already knew. And I, you know, I said like, oh, I'm using they, them pronouns. And even that in the amount of time, that's been a couple months, I think, like honestly, like eight months or something where even that now doesn't feel uh, exactly what I want to do. And I'm, I've sort of gone towards like an all pronouns situation because that's what everybody uses anyways. I can't actually, and again, this is just my experience. So I'm not saying this is what applies to everybody. Um, because I have a somewhat public life, I can't actually make sure everybody gets my fucking pronouns right all the time. And like, it's, it's, it then became just as exhausting as being angry when somebody called me he. And what I've realized is that I can't control all this stuff. And the only thing I can control is my reaction to it. 
So my reaction to it is to just be like, is this person treating me with kindness, respect, and dignity or any of the above? Great. (laughs) And I live in a place that allows me to do that. You know, it allows me to have somebody be like, how are you going? How's it going, sir? And I'm like, oh, pretty good. And then they go like, whatever. And I'm like, have a great day. And then I just leave. I don't correct them. I don't tell them to do anything different. I even did that in Kansas City, but it was in a gift shop that I could tell was like, you know, whatever. It was like a chill place with rainbows and shit like that. And this dude was like, hey, what's up, dude? What can I do for you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just looking around. And he was like, and I was like, yeah, have a good one. Thanks. And then and then he realized what I was doing and mm-hmm. whatever realization he had is what he had. And that's what he had. And that's great. Um, but I, I'm grateful that I can do that. But I just also the internet piece of it is like people started correcting people when they called me she, and then I was like, well, fuck this. This is the same shit. Right. It's literally the same shit again. And so I was like, please stop doing that. And like even friends interpersonally would be correcting other friends, being angry about it. I'm like, I this is not. I don't want more anger in my life. I want less. I want less. Like Conan O'Brien dropped in on my stand-up show. And he stood on stage and said, I, I called Rhea up. She answered the phone. I was like, can I do a set? You did. She did so great on my show. She was wonderful. She crushed it. I posted that video and people were like, ah, blah, blah. I'm like, do you think I expect Conan O'Brien <laughs> to know what pronouns I use yeah, right, right now? Also, yeah. did you hear what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what matters. Like, Like, that's actually what matters. Like, Conan O'Brien is complimenting a gender nonconforming butch lesbian on their set on his show. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's what matters. Ultimately. I feel (laughs) like I just want to instigate now. You know what I mean? I just yeah, want yeah. to take this not, and, and again, this is not to, because I, I know that a lot of trans folks have to fight for their pronouns to be un- understood. So I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to diminish that. It is, what I'm talking about is actually two different fights because to, for that, it's, it's, it is different. You're not being respected if somebody's continually. But I also think every situation is different. So every situation is different. This is my situation. But I can tell, and this is really just the philosophy of Leslie Feinberg, who just said, like, you know, I've been treated with respect, and people have used the wrong pronouns with me and treated me with respect, and people have used the right ones and treated me with none. And, like, that is what really opened up a lot for me, which is, like, it it matters what somebody's bringing sometimes, you know? And, And I think the internet makes things very black and white, and so it allows you to be like, this is fucked up, and you're like, yeah, it is, but also, like, this person is being nice to me. Yeah. That's such a recurring theme that, like, the just stepping away from the internet a little mm-hmm. bit into real life is helps a lot. Helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think listen to podcasts because it's human beings talking to human beings. It's not the internet, you know, even yeah. though it's kind of internet based. But I do think that, like, yeah, uh, being on the internet is not a good place right now. It's just not a good place. It can be fun, but you have to be good at separating those times out. You're making real life outside the internet look real cool, <laughs> real fun. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A cool place to be. Trying to. Yeah, I want to take your. Remember what off. it was like? I think I you just did. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, that was free. Nice. Yeah, I know. I know. I didn't even write that either. Um. Yeah, I, I do remember what it was like, and it was it was nice. It was nice. You just, Dave. You remember when you just like drive in a neighborhood and be like, "Oh, Fred lives here. Let's uh-huh. see if he's home." Uh, and they, yes. that wasn't weird. Yeah. Fred would be like, oh, what's up, dude? Or, hey, I'm busy right now, but do you want to go see, uh, you know, <laughs> Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves later <laughs> or whatever? Uh-huh. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I do. I've got tonight free. Uh, Absolutely. 
Like, that was fun. Yeah. And now people are like five away, yeah. three minutes away, walking up to the door. I'm here. I'm outside. And you're like, just come over. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, we're bringing um, back dropping by. Yeah. But I guess I just am trying to, like, emotionally drop by. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because people that are not your age group are like, what are you doing in my house right now? Okay. So you can't actually do that. But emotionally, philosophically, spiritually, uh-huh. we should drop by. You can check it. I mean, I just send people texts that are like, hey, how's it going? I hope you're having a great day. Uh-huh. And then sometimes there's a conversation and sometimes there isn't. Yeah. Like Sometimes that. I talk to people on the phone. What? That is taking things a step too far. Dave, it will change your life. I, I mean, I got a couple of those people in my life. Yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. It'll take yeah. you right back. Huh. Interesting. I'm serious. Okay. Give it a shot. Okay. Give it a shot. I'll try. Give it a shot. The challenge is when you're doing it, don't put your earphone in so that you oh, can yeah, so that you can do other shit. Yeah, don't audio. do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, also, don't drive and do it. Yeah. Sit yes. somewhere on the phone. Get back on the the phone. Mm-hmm. That great Ellen DeGeneres bit. Back in my day, when you were on the phone, you were on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's only from 2005. Jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I have so much more I want to ask, but <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should let we, I know. No, I mean, well, what do you want to ask? Time. It's well, fine. I, I, we I got just, into it. I'm happy about this conversation, so. I'm, I'm curious about your your dating life when you're like uh, between 22 mm-hmm. and getting married like what if, if there was if there was a pattern or oh yeah like a pattern of serious monogamy serious monogamy yeah like not a ton of dating in fact like none i just like would meet somebody and then be in a relationship with them for like four years uh-huh. oh, well. that is of course the cliche yeah it is for it's a, a cliche for a good reason it right fits yeah. often yeah. so yeah and same honestly. that's yeah that's just the kind of guy i am <laughs> <laughs> And are the are the majority of those people still in your life? The majority of those people are not in my life. Interesting. But have reached out and we have looked at each other with kindness and understanding. And so that's good. But I, 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 I a bit uh, was like a bridge burner hmm. oh, so by, ac- I, I, by accident. More than a Levy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not great. Not into it. Right. Not great. Bad behavior, but look, I had a lot of trauma in my. You know, it's things. Sure. I wasn't trying. Di- I didn't want to hurt anybody, but I think that I did. Um, but I was, yeah, you know, I didn't understand myself. So, like, you can't really be kind to other people if you're not being kind to yourself. And so, if you at some point had to consciously try to like make amends. Well, they kind of did it first, in a way, because I just felt like, oh, it was that feeling of like, I really, this wasn't great. And I should probably let this person live their life. Right. As opposed to the bringing up the bad thing. I felt like going back into somebody's life was bringing up a bad thing. Because I had, you know, like gotten back together with somebody and then realized that was bad. So I just was like, I don't, bringing myself back into their life probably isn't good. Yeah. You know, it just felt like that. And then I think that doing comedy was, I, my, I got brought back into their life in a way. And then they were like, hey, happy for you. And I was like, I'm grateful that you reached out, you know? So. That's great. I think about that all the time. Like, people, a couple exes that I was, that I burned a bridge. Mm-hmm. And should I reach back out? But it would really be more for me than it would yeah. be for them. You have to really, you have to really think on whether it's worth it to re enter someone's orbit like that. Because I didn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, I just was like, 
yeah, didn't understand myself and in a way it was selfish, but not actively understandably selfish. You know, I didn't understand that's what I was doing. I was also in my 20s. That's what, like yeah. what you do in your 20s. So, and then like most of them, I think have moved on completely. So like, I, I don't know. I just always put myself in their shoes and was like, would they want to hear from me? I don't think so. So I just mm-hmm. didn't because I didn't think it was worth it to them. Was there ever an instance where you were not the lever but the levy and you always wanted to sort of <laughs> stick no. to that person? <laughs> nope. No, no. <laughs> nope. Wow. <laughs> I'm impressed. You literally just poured water on yeah. yourself. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> no. I can't look at that's your truth. That's your truth. That's, that's my your, truth. What are you do? <laughs> that's my truth. Wow. I, I have I was I, I I haven't been in a ton of relationships. Right. So the numbers are very low. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Everybody thinks I have this Shane thing going on. I don't think that. Oh, Shane from L <laughs> or I don't think that. Only that that's just the closest one that fits. Sure. Right. Not accurate. But I've, I think every, I always want to believe that other people are having what I guess oh, yeah. the Shane life. Right. Because it's, there's something fun. That's about, what's on TV. Right. And it's like I want to live vicarious, sure. vicariously through the Shane experience. Right. Everybody does. I think that's why Shane exists. Yeah. Can you come back <laughs> no. every like six weeks? Yeah, totally. Yeah. We can check in every six weeks. I think that would be great. And just do well, like a half session or something. Drop yeah. through. Drop yeah. in. Absolutely. I'll drop, I'll drop in. by. Yeah. Emotional drop by. I love that idea. Ray Butcher, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks so for much. Lord have mercy, that was great. That was a Oprah's life class, masterclass in mm-hmm. all, all things humanity. Out of the bars and into the streets for these two, huh? Yeah. I'm telling you. Just incredible. Yeah, just makes me feel uh, proud to be a part of our community. Yes, and proud to have a, a leader. Uh, I mean, this is truly a leader. Yeah, who also happens to be super funny. Uh, thank you to everybody at Earwolf. Thank you, Rhea Butcher. Thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank thank you, listener. Yes. Have a you. great National Coming Out weekend. Yes. Stretch it out. You, you deserve it, like a birthday. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, (laughs) Jazos. Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.